The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Chuck and Chernoff, thanks so much for making us a part of your Thursday. I'm Matt. I'm usually here. Chuck is also here, typically, but now he's on a beach or something somewhere. So uh, Carlos Medina, who you hear mornings on our sister station, Extra 106.3, that's Atlanta's only conservative news talk station. He's on 6 to 10 with Tug and Rhino. He's filling the shoes for the king today and tomorrow. Make sure you download the Extra app to listen to... uh, Los and the crew. Matt makes it political. I was just trying to cross-promote. I believe you did it. And if you don't want to listen to that, you listen to our morning show, Morning 6 to 10, The Locker Room, to wake up with them. Then they hand it off to Buck, which is ironic. Buck takes it for an hour, and then he hands it off, which makes sense to Nick and Chris, who hand it off to us throughout the day. I think that legitimately, if we talk about what's going on this afternoon, Mm -hmm. I think those boys down the hall are are running right now. Because we've had just enough politics in Mm -hmm. the show today. Oh, you pushed the limit. The people are, like, right here with us. Yeah. You pushed it right up to the edge. I see what you're doing there. So uh, let's start here with uh, all the Falcon stuff. We have movement. We have things. We have a lot to cover. So we might as well use some production. The Atlanta Falcons coaching search. Day 11. And I'm already exhausted. I mean, Los, you know this as well as anybody. We don't do anything around here without production or some sort of music. It would be sacrilege if we just jumped into something. Who does content without the production? Silly. So we're on day 11 and things are moving. This from Ian Rappaport this morning. Former Patriot coach Bill Belichick will have a second interview. I circle that word. Interview with the Falcons brass this weekend after meeting one-on-one with Arthur Blank. And uh, let me repeat the last part. This first interview was Arthur and Bill one-on-one. I do believe they met on his yacht. Like, that now makes more sense. Now, Rappaport writes they're ramping. Things are ramping up with the greatest coach of all time. This time around, though, Arthur will allow Rich McKay to be in the room and Terry Fontenot as well, along with some other members of the Falcon organization. But I will repeat what I said to Andrew Brandt. This is not an interview. This is a meeting where Bill wants to find out exactly what the leadership control, how that's going to be divvied up, and the Falcons want to be on the same page with Bill. Albert Breer tweeted, What those who know Bill Belichick have said is that the way the organization is set up in Atlanta will be a big piece of whether or not he takes the job. Breer finishes by writing, I expect if he goes, we'll see a mix of guys he's worked with and knows all coming together, some New England, some Vegas to coach for him. Ian Rappaport also pointed out nothing is firm, and the two sides are feeling this potential partnership out, but Rappaport ended by saying the mutual interest is pretty strong at this point. Los, it feels like the momentum, unless there's a snag, and it's not impossible to get to the five-yard line, and then we don't agree on the divvied up control or power or front office structure or coach that could happen. It feels like Arthur wants this so badly. I think if anybody's going to give in in a negotiation, it's going to be blank. 
I'm at a point now where, again, anything can happen at the end of this and it could screw it up. I think it's going to get done. I can talk about this in more detail maybe tomorrow. But back when I was in the horrible times of covering that Cowboy team, they kept going 5-11, 5-11, 5-11. By the time they hired Bill Parcells, they pretty much told him, everything is here to support you. You make the picks. You get to shop for the grocers. You get to do everything. And I feel like that's kind of the direction we're going as of now. It's going to be all about structure by which will make Bill Belichick comfortable Mm -hmm. to take the job here in Atlanta. It's all going to be about who do I have supporting me and do I get final say in in what areas? So what Andrew Brandt just said to us, and if you weren't with us a few minutes ago, Andrew Brandt, the former VP of the Packers, brought up something that we brought up as well. We don't hear other teams who have either requested or are talking or have whispered about Belichick. Doesn't mean it's not happening. But the Falcons, who can't keep anything quiet from the jump, like the day Arthur Smith was going to be let go, we knew and started to hear that Arthur Blank was going to make a push for Belichick. To Andrew Brandt's point, the same thing I've said is, doesn't feel like the market is very big. That doesn't mean other teams are right or the Falcons are wrong. It just gives you an idea about what we perceive a market to be when Brady becomes available and there's not a big market. or when, when Be- Belichick's an acquired taste, man. Bill can rub anybody the wrong way in the building. He wants to run it his way. He wants it to run a way that's had success in the past. That's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of franchises, including the Falcons, when he gets in the building. And look, let's look at what's happening around the NFL. You have a Pete Carroll who's retired. Obviously, you've had a Nick Saban at the college level who's is, retired. Is Pete retired, though? I think He's, Pete was retired by the Seahawks. I still think Pete wants to coach, but I get your point. You're in a scenario now where hiring the 72-year-old happens to buck the trend around the NFL, which is 30, 40 young guys that are able to relate with players, skins on the wall, let's go get everybody, raw, raw kind of thing. That is not Bill Belichick one bit. So I think the common bond between the Belichick interview and the Harbaugh interview is both the first interviews for each guy was one-on-one with Arthur Blank. It doesn't make it right or wrong. That's very interesting to me. Because typically, if I'm a billionaire who trusts my football people, because they all say the same thing, what do I know about football? So I'm going to hire my football people. I'm going to let them vet the candidates, let them interview the candidates, and then recommend their choices. And I'm going to come in, do my due diligence as the owner, and sign off on it. Kind of happened the other way here. Arthur had the one-on-one with Bill, maybe on a yacht, maybe somewhere else. Had a one-on-one with Harbaugh in person. I think it was here it made it sound like. And then, in this case with Belichick, here comes the GM and the CEO in Rich McKay, and maybe they'll do the same with Harbaugh. It just feels a little backwards, which is a very Falcon thing to do. I will say you have to give at least some admission that part of the reason why things are going the way it is is because Arthur Blank does have a reputation within the league. Mm Mm-hmm. If this wasn't, like, if you would told me. Say David Tepper is a bad example. I would give you one of those. It's like, okay, Tepper's not going to get this interview. No, Belichick wouldn't even talk. The Spanos family doesn't get this interview. Like, you have to be pretty well taken care of on your P's and Q's in order to get this far with Bill Belichick, and Arthur Blank checks that box. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Now, as Brant said to us, McKay's got a relationship with Belichick. They've both been in the league a million years. I don't see Rich who said this to his credit. I'm not the big, rich, biggest Rich fan from the football standpoint, but Rich is not going to get in anybody's way when it comes to the, the divvying up of power. Like Rich is, and I, this is going to sound insulting, I promise you, Rich is a yes man. Rich, when Arthur Smith and Terry would come to him, here's our ideas, what do you think Rich would go? If you do it, you like it, do it. Whereas Belichick's going to walk in the room and go, or explain to me, Rich, how much are you involved? And Rich says, I'm sort of the go-between with the owner. You come to me, I'll sign off on it. I'll facilitate it for you. So that's not going to be the breaking point. Yeah. How Fontenot, if he's here, would would work is, is an interesting one. And I don't know that. None of us do. 
None of us will know if Terry will be here, if Terry will, will assume the role of GM, if Terry will have the same kind of input. Like, I, I have no clue yet, and I don't know if even the Falcons know until Bill sits down and says, yeah, I think our ideas are like-minded, we can do this. Or does Bill want to bring in, this is a very sportsy thing, bring in some guys that he's got a comfort level with to work with them? Well, the last time we saw this here in Atlanta, this was Dan Quinn who interviewed Thomas Dimitrov yeah. and said, he understands the kind of players I want. And now that that changed the drafting of what Thomas Dimitrov was going after, but Thomas was, these are the types of players you want. I can scout and secure them for you. I, I get that impression that when it comes to Fontenot, that's probably the direction it's going to go. Will you make this look like a Bill Belichick team? Can you scout those players? Can you give me those options? So as far as the timeline, it sounds again like it'll be this weekend that Bill and the Falcons get together. When could he be hired? The answer is we don't know because it, at least publicly, the news hasn't come out that the Falcons have satisfied the two minority interviews, which you have to do for the Rooney rule. Like that is a thing that they have to be in person with whomever they decide. Now they did interview Brian Johnson, virtually the OC of the, the Eagles, which is kind of funny considering how bad the Eagle offense was down the stretch, but due diligence is due diligence. They've talked to a ton of candidates. My guess is Los, if, if things go well in the second interview, you're going to hear about the Falcons doing these other minority candidate interviews at the beginning of the week. And there's a chance maybe midweek at the end of next week, they have something done with Belichick unless there's a snag. And with the Falcons folks, there's always a chance of a snag. I can see this going down to Wednesday or Thursday before we get to AFC, NFC championship games, them making the announcement. What a weird, weird world. And I've said this before. I've worked in this business for a good long time. And of all the things that you could write down and say, Matt, what is completely unrealistic? Super Bowl win. Well, beyond that. Oh, but like if you said at any time in my career, if you said five years down the road, write down five or six things that are unrealistic. This wouldn't even have been on my radar. Bill Belichick to Atlanta. After he took our souls in 2017. 28-3, we've screamed about that forever. He still hasn't given them back. Like, I'm telling you, as I said yesterday, if I'm negotiating, I have to have my soul back. If Bill, Bill will give you an extra million, a little more control, we need you. That Sunday night in Houston, they t- he took our soul. I need it back. Like Marcellus Wallace in that briefcase, I want it back. That's going to be funny. I would actually tell him, so that ring with the 283 diamonds, I need you to melt that thing right down in front of me right now. The guy. You need to cut off your finger and melt that thing down right now. The guy who had a huge hand in breaking the city and breaking the franchise could assume the office of the dummy who was on the other side who wouldn't run the ball and stop his OC and use the clock. He's going to assume. You think Bill sits down in Quinn's office and he's like, why isn't there a clock on the wall? You and I have done this job. Don't step on my joke right there. That was a time management joke. You and I have done this job long enough. Where we can remember the handful of like very sad days, I don't ever recall being as sad oh, on that Monday. I was broken, like where I just I couldn't even look yeah. at you nope. because it, you were so broken. No, I was so broken. I I love this job since the day I've started. That was a day I wanted nothing to do with being here that day. That was just kept just, shaking my head. It and was the, like it was like it was in a nightmare. The guy who was on the other side might be introduced as the head coach, and he's like, "I got this." So weird, just beyond Pick weird. Me, yeah. Uh, I told you, though, part of this, and it's not the driving force. The driving force for Arthur Blank is he wants to win his championship. Yes. But what comes with Belichick is a relevance that this franchise rarely has ever seen. You see it everywhere where the way some of it's met with Belichick's meeting with the Falcons. Like, it's a lot of surprise, but it's also a lot of like Falcons have some good stuff. There's some to like. Adam Shine does a national radio show on the Mad Dog Sports Radio channel on Sirius XM. He gave some thoughts on Belichick to Atlanta and why it makes sense. 
See, I look at the Falcons as a team that's ready to win with that kind of coach, Belichick or or Harbaugh. That's how I view the Atlanta Falcons. Defense has dudes. And I believe that if you hire someone like Belichick or Harbaugh, that team instantly wins 10-11 games next year. Make the playoffs, be in position to make a run to the NFC title game. And frankly, it's the Tom Brady model, where Tom Brady left the Patriots and said, where can I find a team that's close in the worst division in the NFL and find a way to win a ton of games and a championship? Lois, I told you the, the fun part of this, even if people are so down on the Belichick idea. And I'm I'm like Switzerland on this one. I don't know. I have no clue. Like, I know that's a boring sports radio thing. I'm, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm here for all of it. What I will tell you is I think you're going to get three years of, like, aggressive Falcons giving Bill whatever Bill wants, calculated risks, big chances, some free agent stuff that at, at the end of it, we might look up in 2027 and be like, oh, man, our cap is bleeped. <laughs> we, oh, man, we gave up all that many draft picks. Like, I think they'll do everything in their power to give Bill a chance to make this thing as good as it can be and have a chance to win at a very high level. That, to me, is exciting. Maybe the Falcon fans out there have to have the rug pulled out from under them because if you told me, hey, it's Wednesday or Thursday for the AFC championship game, NFC championship game, and you're announcing, uh, yeah, they work out. We're hiring Brian Johnson. Oh, God. You would go, oh, what? Oh, God. How did we miss out? The idea of landing Bill Belichick versus uh-huh. every other option, there, there's a built-in excitement level, even though Bill is not an exciting guy. Not at all. But it, it comes also back around to, like, the Falcons have had this stuff happen before where, Blank thought he had Bill Parcells. They had an agreement, and Bill snaked him at the end to go to Miami. Arthur thought he had Deshaun Watson, and Cleveland snaked him, and, and Arthur thought he had Joe Gibbs. And, like, all these things have happened. Doesn't mean they're going to work. Like, the greatest blessing was Bill Parcells snaking his way to Miami because it forced the Falcons to go this different way, which led to Thomas Dimitrov, and it led to Mike Smith and the best run of those five years. So you never know why it's going to work or why it's not going to work. But I'm so, I don't know, maybe maybe confused is the best way to do it that we've been through so many of these covering these coaching searches that I was convinced the Arthur Smith hire was going to be a good one based on what he came off in Tennessee. And I, you know, we go through these, like the Petrino thing I hated because I thought it was a snake, but I thought he could coach. I never thought 13 games in, it would go away. So I go into this one. That's why I'm Switzerland. I have no clue what's going to work and what's not. The Falcon fan in a lot of cases is convinced Bobby Sloa could work and Ben Johnson would work. Well, Arthur Smith just didn't. And he had the same resume of those guys three years ago. If Bill Parcells hadn't gone to Miami, you never get Matt Ryan. Probably not. That was the draft where he was like, I'm going to go offensive tackle, and I'm skipping the quarterback from Boston College. He ends up here after winning two coin flips, and you get to have that run with him. No, it's weird how that stuff works itself out. So we will see. Um, one other, and go ahead and hit the production for me. I feel like we need a close. And that's the close of the Falcons coaching search. Basically, nothing has happened. Now back to two guys with no decision power making pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Matt and Chuck. That's true. True. So when Dallas decided to keep McCarthy, that went, at least in some Falcon fans' minds, one of the chances that Jerry, if he fired McCarthy, would have gone for Bill, and we're going to try to get the greatest guy in here with this talent win a championship. When Philly looks like, and I haven't heard definitively, looks like they're keeping Sirianni. Maybe something happens at the end and they don't. There are, I think, six or seven other job openings, but there's got to be sort of the right fit for Bill and the right fit for the team who thinks they have enough in place and the right structure to make that work. It just felt like the options became very limited for Belichick at that point. Now, what if I told you Bill and Dan Quinn could have two matchups a year? Because <laughs> Quinn interviewed with Carolina, right? 
Fast and physical could be back in the NFC South. Dan's also interviewing today with Washington. Also interviewing with the uh, Seahawks, and then he's going to meet the Chargers tomorrow. So, See, I thought Belichick made a lot of sense in Washington, but it doesn't look like they want to even sniff around for no, it. They announced early they didn't. Yeah, they're going a completely different young direction. This is what they're going to do, high-energy kind of kind of guy. Do you and, think if, if Quinn doesn't get the Seahawks gig or one of these jobs, is he going to tell me again he chose to stay in Dallas? Because that was his that, line in the last two that years. That was already the news, that if he doesn't get the job, like he wanted the Denver job. Okay, And when he didn't get the Denver job, and then it, uh, the following year, it opens up again, and they don't interview him that time around, and they give it to Sean Payton. That's how he ends up in Dallas for two years. And if he doesn't get the Seattle job, I don't think I don't think he'd go to Carolina, not with the ownership. He's going to have his pick of these things. He wants the you right situation. He, the right, I don't think – I could be misreading this. I think when teams sit down with Dan, there's some car salesmen in there. Oh, definitely. That they worry about. There's a lot of fluff that they've heard about, but they will see in person for the first time. And I think it's – these interview processes must be fascinating that you cover all the stuff from his assistant days in Dallas and certainly what he did here, game management, all those things. Like I'm assuming the Super Bowl comes up and he's got to talk about that painful stuff and they've got to hear an answer they like of how the hell did that happen? And how do we make sure in that situation it doesn't happen again? But it wasn't just that game. They go through a myriad of like, oh, you blew that game and this game and that game. And it was a horrible cycle that he was on the sideline for that if I'm running a franchise – Tell me about your culture all you want, but you got to win some close games in that league, and he's not good at that. Some of this stuff, like we know about it. We remember all of it. I still remember seeing the watermelon kick and going, is that really happening? <laughs> like, are there really four or five Falcons standing around a spinning football? Mm-hmm. But it becomes ancient history in this league within two or three years. Nobody brings up anything from 2020 by the time you get to 2024, 2025. It's crazy. All right, let's uh, move on to uh, some college stuff. Uh, we're on Caleb Downs' watch, and I have not checked because I can't read the whole internet during the break. I try. But Caleb Downs officially entered the transfer portal coming off that freshman season that saw him just really dominate. 107 tackles at Alabama, the first freshman to lead the tie defense in tackles since 1970. Now, Steve Wilfong of 24-7 tweeted that he had talked to Caleb Downs' dad, Gary Downs, who made it pretty clear that Caleb wants to make his decision in the next 48 hours. Now, this was last night. So you should know something tonight or tomorrow, and all the tea leaves point to Georgia. Which again, that Malachi Starks, Caleb Downs <laughs> combo in the in the back end of your defense for a safety by trade and Kirby Smart, like I Christmas morning for a six year old is pretty exciting. I would think Caleb Downs, maybe tonight is Downs Eve for Kirby Smart that he will go to sleep like with visions of that duo in his his back end defensively. It's got to might be. keep him up all night. It's got to be. And when you just look at what they've done in the transfer portal, where. You go over to, to Vanderbilt, and you're like, yeah, we're taking your top receiver. And you go to Florida, <laughs> yeah, we're taking your top running back. That's And then, by the way, you're the number one recruiting class in the country. Mm-hmm. No wonder you are basically looking around and saying, yeah, ne- next year we got a shot at three and four years. So Georgia's questions next year will be on the defensive line, which I know sounds strange, but do they have enough guys to get on to get after the quarterback and that type of thing? But with the linebackers and corners and safeties they return, that should it works in reverse this way that that should give them that extra half beat to have guys get to the quarterback. If again, we'll see if the direction continues, but it sounds like the Downs thing to Athens and Kirby could happen sooner rather than later. Uh, one more quick note here: Hawks won on a buzzer beater last night. Yeah, they did. It's not exactly been the best of times in Hawkland, but they beat the Magic one hundred six one hundred four. They won two in a row, though. So if they win again, that would be a winning streak. It has happened before. Now, DeJounte Murray hit the game-winning jumper. And typical of the media, like I hate the media, you guys. 
Do you see your friends at the ringer trying to make some big deal about my DeJounte? Friends. My friends. So Trey is, is standing around the free throw line as the inbound pass comes in after the Magic had just hit a three to tie it with eight seconds left. DeJounte gets the inbound pass. Quinn is trying to call a timeout. He's right in front of the ref. They don't see it. So at, at this point now, Trey is looking at Quinn, thinking they're going to get the timeout. DeJounte just advances the ball, hits the shot. So the ringer, your friends there in the media, are trying to make it out like DeJounte ignored Trey. There's a problem. Selfish. Didn't want to pass it to him. Trey didn't come over half court, which isn't true. And then DeJounte hit the shot. Even in a good moment for that franchise, you people in the media have to, to, to tweak it and turn it to be some negative. Well, it was immediately called out on television it's like they're not taking a timeout and i'm glancing over i'm like i think the coach is trying to get a timeout he was right in front of the ref because this, this is a tie game mm-hmm. and uh, advance it to half court and here's what we're going to get a chance to do fortunately he hits a 17 foot jumper game over they get the win everything works out well but that that entire thing just screamed confusion and oh by the way it worked out mm-hmm. it did and i'm one never coaching the nba i'm one who always likes in transition going i just think you get a better chance to catch somebody defensively a little out of position instead of setting it up and having to run. A, now, Quinn's great at running inbound stuff, but it worked out last night. Even if they would have missed the shot, I still like going in transition. Well, and when you're talking about a one-possession game, you do get the benefit of the other team has their offensive options on the floor, and if they're not burning a timeout, okay, they're, deep, they're primary defensive guys, they're rebounders, everybody else, they're on the bench. Go at the offensive guys. Now, That's what, what they did. What happens with this team in the next three weeks? going to be interesting. I mean, it sounds like everybody except Trey and Jalen are – We'll listen on all those things. Sell me. Sell me on how much fun this is going to be to watch. Fun? <laughs> this, here's the weirdness of this team. They got the head coach right. The star players having one of his best years, and they're still this bad. And they score a ton. Well, they play no defense. Now, no defense. If you start adding up some things that, that willingly they have picked apart their own franchise because of luxury tax stuff where, all right, we'll give you John Collins for nothing. We essentially gave away Kevin Herter for nothing. You're watching Clint kind of age. He's still good, but not as good as he once was. Onyeka hasn't turned out to be what you wanted. Hunter hasn't. So there are a lot of things that have have gotten you here, but it still doesn't explain this. Not to this extent. I wonder what the owner over there is having conversations with. Now, you also traded away. Trade away. I'm sorry. You also let Travis Schlank get away, and Travis wasn't perfect. Travis made the Hunter draft pick and trade, and you made the Onyeka. He still did a lot of good stuff like getting Jalen where he did and getting Collins where he did and Herter where he did and – when they wanted to trade Herter, when they wanted to make the trade for Murray, I think he was done. And now DeJounte could be had. Can you right send deal. him back to me for like a first rounder? You know, that's the rumor. Because I need a point guard really badly in San Antonio. I got I got this, I don't know if you know, I got this like 7-3 freak. I've heard. Who's scoring like 30 points a game right now at like 19, and there's no one to shoot the basketball or actually run offense with. Uh, I want to play you a piece of sound before we get to our winged idea. Now, press conferences in the NFL, they're largely all the same. Owners sound the same. The coaches sound the same. Usually don't have an uncomfortable moment, except when you're the Patriots and you haven't done this in 25 years. So the Patriots introduced Gerard Mayo, who replaced uh, Bill Belichick after Bill was, I almost said let go, after they decided to part ways. So Gerard Mayo is sitting up there at the podium with Robert Kraft. And to Robert Kraft's credit, he's trying to introduce family members of Gerard Mayo. We're all one big happy family. So he tries to pronounce Gerard Mayo's brother's name. And he had a, let's say, moment that he's laughing at that he probably wants back. Sherman. Sherman. <laughs> I'll get it right. I'll get it right. Get it right. Well, we'll have to. No, it's all right. It's one of those black names. Oh. Help <laughs> you hear the laugh from Kraft? The uncomfortable. What, what did he call him? Let me hear the beginning of it again. What did he call his brother? Sherman. Sherman. 
He said Sherman. Sherman. Did, it sounded like or like hear, Shermer. Right. Let me hear. Is that Sherman? Sherman. <laughs> and then you had <laughs> Gerard Mayo. What if you would have looked at Jared Mayo, Jared and Sherman? Sherman. <laughs> and then Kraft at the end after Mayo makes a joke had that uncomfortable rich white guy laugh. <laughs> That's it. It's like, let me get it. Let me get out of here. <laughs> Press conference is over. I will not be. Intro- <laughs> no more family members. No more, no more questions. I will not be introducing anybody else. Mayo, great little line there, right there. I'll help you with the black name. Would be so, hilarious if I, he just said, like, okay, here's the whole family group, and you got to name all of them, including my kids. <laughs> it's time to wing it. Presented by WNB Factory, serving up Atlanta's best wings and burgers with over 60 locations. Find yours at WNBFactory.com. All right, we've been taking your winging at idea answers today at the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. Since Dr. Medina is in, we've asked you for your favorite doctor. Your favorite doctor. Now, what Chris mentions Dr. Britt Baker, apparently an AEW wrestler. He came with a picture, so that's effective. Dr. Baker has quite the abs. So thank you, Chris. Uh, he also mentioned Trapper John, MD. Uh, Eddie went with uh, Dick Van Dyke as Dr. Mark Sloan on Diagnosis Murder. I didn't think anybody under 70 watched that. Uh, Blades went with Dr. Dre. Lance went with uh, Hawkeye. Oh, we've had quite a few of you have mentioned Doc McChuckins. Oh, that means a lot. Solid Doc. Yeah. Is that coming back? Yeah, of course it's coming back, Colin. Right. It has production. Anything with production we bring back. Uh, David mentioned Dr. K. Dwight Gooden. Uh, when he wanted to be known as Uptown, that's when I knew he was on drugs. Timothy is a man of my own heart. He went the doctor style slick. And then uh, Chris mentions Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. And JT mentioned Dr. Pepper. How could we ever forget? And a Doc Brown. Finally. We got a Doc Brown in there. You guys can send your answers to the Harrah's Cherokee Casino. I thought about you a couple days ago. Only good thoughts, I hope. Uh, I actually decided to sit down and watch, because I read it years and years ago, but I sat down and watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. How about that? You really went old school. And you get a a Doc Brown from the late 70s. That dude was Christopher Lloyd, yeah. kind of, or maybe a lot in shape. Oh, well, I mean, you have to then go to the taxi days where it's very different, right? Yeah. And now you're in the Back to the Future days. Very different set of circumstances playing those characters. Great Scott! That's right. We got it in. Another I'm going to show you the, the picture. You're going to go, whoa. Yeah. Abs, I hope. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we take pride in our family-owned and operated business. Hi, I'm Stacy Ellis, Vice President of the Jim Ellis Automotive Group. When my granddad, Jim Ellis, founded our company in 1971, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, my dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. Today, third-generation family members like myself, along with the support of more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values our company was founded on. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we try harder because we sincerely value your satisfaction. That's why we've been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of our 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, still family-owned and operated and where you can always expect the best. 
Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 